For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another lovely evening of Jaybird watching right here on Twitter, Facebook, whatever the heck you're looking at, <laughs> or, you know, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of those wonderful podcast places you get your podcast pleasures from. But right, if you haven't paid attention yet, we're recording live every Wednesday night and maybe Thursdays as the Blue Jays uh, fun goes through here. And just make sure you join us. We're ready to start asking questions. And fellas, it is Merry, you know, Baseball Eve. Opening day. So yeah. with us, we got Adam and Brendan Panikar and special guest Ari Shapiro. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. Bring it on. Yes. This a close. Like Christmas. A little this bit close. like Christmas. That's what I call it all the time, Ari. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> yes. Isn't this awesome, though? Like, like amidst a day of really tough news, if you live in Ontario, in yeah. Canada... To, to know that you've got baseball. Baseball's going to happen. It's far away, but it's going to happen. Seriously. <laughs> it's almost it's as far away feeling. you can get in North America, kind of, without, like, going to a completely other, you know, peninsula-like area, right? <laughs> Basically. We're, so. we're like an outpost out here now, and we're kind of watching this from afar, but it feels strange. I still I still can't. When I heard you say it, I'm like, yeah, it's it's the eve of, of the return of baseball. And if you just look at the three of you with the, the paraphernalia alone, I feel bad. I should have put on the hat. I'm wearing a toque. Look at that. That is awesome. Was never a huge fan of that of that design being old school, but you look sensational. You're, yeah. you're, you're ahead of the game. I wanted to change it up because, um, funny enough, the other one I could have wore, I wore to the last actual Toronto Blue Jays game, and I almost feel like I should bury it. Because <laughs> I was with Brendan Panikar at the last game that the Toronto Blue Jays actually played in the Sky Dome. And I feel like it's hexed or something. I can't put it on. And I wanted to do something different other than wearing the normal new powder blues and everything, Ari. So I saw this in the closet, and I'm like, game on, Angry Bird. Let's very, go. Very tasteful. Chain- very tasteful. And also evokes memories of, the, like you said, the dome, the fact that you remembered what it was like. I I remember my last visit there was um, when they were honoring the alumni in that final year before COVID. Remember they had that event where they brought everyone back from, like, I think yeah. it was the 93 team or something. God, it's been a while since I was there. But yeah, nothing but great nostalgic memories. Just a touch. So, anything else anybody wants to get off before we dive right into our uh, wonderful agenda this evening? No, I'm ready to go. Good, good. Yeah, me too. Great, grand, wonderful. No yelling on the bus. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet, anyway. There's nothing to yell about yet. <laughs> Not at least until we get um, what's-his-face umpiring our first game, right? Angel. Angel Hernandez, yeah. <laughs> he lost his lawsuit. Wait, wait, wait. He's still an umpire. 
You mean yes, after all these years of incompetence, malfeasance, whatever the hell you want to call it, this guy is so bad. I used to love to look up those lists that were the worst umpires in the league, and he was always like a top three candidate. <laughs> you know, sometimes they'd like put a couple of other names, but generally you'd be guaranteed an, an Angel Hernandez sighting and then him making excuses for what is fundamentally bad umpiring. Why does that exist? I mean, I know why, and we know the union, but why does it exist? To drive one, probably another one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, oh man, it's it, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that we don't hold them to the standard that we do players? Like we we yeah. can use analytics to determine if a player is worthwhile. Why can't you do that in umpire and then cut the fat? Like take it, the bottom ten percent of incompetence, get rid of it, replace it with young, fresh talent that can get the job done. I think that's if what they're doing with robots, isn't it? They're gonna, yeah, I was just gonna say, or robots. <laughs> no, but if, if, if you screw if you screw up hard enough in uh, in the Premier League, you can get demoted to the Championship. Just like three teams go down at the end of the year. So if you're in the bottom grade of being a referee, you go down with three teams that go down. So why incentivizing do officials only creates a greater caliber of officiating, right? Totally. Unless, of course, you know, get a pay cut if I if I go back down to the this league or even fall down further. So exactly. So there you go. Way to go. Do your job. Warden. You get rewarded. Open right? up that can of worms of the umpiring and whatnot. I Hopefully that won't be a factor this year because let's face it, it's not like the game is like it used to be. There won't be that many close calls. In the old days, you, you had to worry about like bunts and stolen bases and all sorts of unpredictable things happening. Now I think they just wait and see what happens. And if something controversial happens, hopefully they'll be ready. Exactly. So speaking of what I guess is, I guess not quite crazy controversial or anything but we're going to get into the controversial part when Adam Corsair freaking yells at everybody here about the timing of the games here in a minute but the Toronto Blue Jays are now going to be extending their home stint in Dunedin which we're assuming is a lot related to the fact that the borders might open up come July is of the quote-unquote target area at the moment is what we've been hearing and the fact that the blue jays are going to more or less just kind of camp out at home but they're home in dunedin which is their wonderful new crazy spring training complex that we were talking about a few episodes ago there's a lot worse places guys that they could be pinching in a tent for here for a little bit to stay for a little extended spring training summer camp or whatever the hell you want to call it but it's a good deal i think to certain ex if you had to go somewhere i guess that's the best place they're all going to be together at this point, as much as I would have wanted to see him in Buffalo because I could actually go. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's where it is. Um, Ari, do you want to kick this off? I just can't wait for the Corsair rant. Oh, it's going to be epic, <laughs> because, like always. Because this just smacks of silly, silly frugality. Like, for years we talked about how Dunedin was going to get phased out. They couldn't figure out where they wanted to invest money in a spring training complex. Now this has happened. You know, it's the old coronavirus excuse. You'll say this is unusual and unfortunate. But like I said, I can't wait for the rant because I've already started to eat, to eat my sunflower seeds. I'm like, Adam, blast them, blast them. I, I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> Should we just skip I've, to the I've rant? I've heard rants before, man. They're epic. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to cue you up, Adam, and then you can just light it all blaze if you want. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, don't mind, I don't mind dragging uh, this team when it, uh, it, it calls for it. Um, look, I understand... You know, I think it was the left field. There's a, a sun glare at certain times or whatever. Blue Jays, I made a specific Christmas wish to have games <laughs> maintain at 637. I have a child. My wife is pregnant. We are tired. 
all the time. So <laughs> staying up until 11 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock is not in my fucking wheelhouse when I'm <laughs> during the week. Okay, it's just not there. So the audacity to take away my Christmas gift two days before the start of the season and make games at 7.07, Blue Jays, what are you doing? You're ruining my week. This is this is awful. Now, I understand tomorrow's game. We're recording this Wednesday night. Tomorrow's game's at 1 o'clock. I'll be able to sneak it in through work. Fine. But the remainders of the game at 7.07? What is this? this, this we, we made a good progressive move. I mean, move last year. We, we started games at 6.30. It was glorious. It was beautiful. Oh, we're, we're, we're going back to old school 7 o'clock? Fuck this. I, I, I probably speak for all the dads out there, Craig included. Fuck this. But fine. I'm still going to watch. I'm not I'm not taking anything away, but bring back 6.30. Just bring it back, especially if you go back to Buffalo for a little bit. Bring back 6.30. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and boom. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so Happy don't drop the fucking beer. opening day. <laughs> <laughs> Merry opening day. <laughs> so what I got from that was you're not going to watch any games that start at 7.07. No, I'm going to watch them all. <laughs> They're all at 7.07. Like, come Dude, I wake up at 4, so by the time – I'm usually tired at, like, 8.39. I'm, I'm toast. That's why, like, 6.37, games are usually three hours long. I can extend that to 9.30, no problem. But, dude, by 9.45, I am a zombie. I'm done. And and these games, I'm not going to be able to catch the end of games. So I'm going to have to watch them next day. Sucks. Yeah, where if it was the 6.30, it we're pretty much done by 9.30, 10 o'clock, right? That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah sometimes it was even, even done by, like, 8.50 last year, yeah. 9 o'clock. Imagine if Mark Burley was pitching. It would have been done at, like, freaking 7. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. I'm not going to complain. I, I Unfortunately, Adam, I know your pain with the young ones is the one reason you're up that early and up that, you know, want to be dead by the time uh, 10 o'clock rolls around, but... The light will be at the end of the tunnel eventually, I promise you. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But the, it, what bothers me is that they had it all spring training advertising games at 6.30. And a couple of days before the start of the season, oh, schedule change. We're going to move every 6.30 game to 7. And didn't you say also, Brendan, that they're they're not doing weekend games at 4 now? No, nope. they're at 7 as well on no, Saturdays, yeah. Those were amazing. Yeah. 4 o'clock Saturday games, those were amazing. Like, couldn't agree more. And now they like, take it what, away. The, the what, do you, what do you expect from a media company that got rid of the whole radio side of the business too, right? I mean, right. honestly, should we be surprised they would manipulate start times or figure out what's the best kind of business rationale for it? Because it doesn't make sense. I agree with you. You're used to a certain consistency in a family-oriented sport, and you've got a media company that doesn't seem to give a rat's ass. And that ultimately becomes incredibly problematic because they weren't owned by a media company. Let's say they were owned by like some, they just happened to be, let's say they were owned by Getty Lee. Can you imagine that? Because <laughs> as you know, Russia's Getty Lee is Mr. Blue baseball fan. He's got like Fun millions run. of dollars of memorabilia. And I, I listened to him, you know, in his band growing up as a kid. Why can't he own the team? Because you know he'd go out of his way to get his partners and get all the connections and turn it into something that caters to the fans. So, Adam, it's warranted. We, you said it partially in jest, I know, but I understand what you're saying. It's frustrating, the lack of consistency. And again, how do you get rid of the radio feed? That's just that's just insane for those of us still alive who have 20 years left on this planet, at least to live, <laughs> to deprive us of that. And, the, and And by the way, they were the only major league team to do that, right? Yep. What trailblazers. Thank you. 
Thank you, Trailblazing Rogers. That's outstanding. Trending in the wrong direction. You know what I don't understand, Adam, is um, what changed? Like, they were still going to play in Dunedin all of April, and now they're staying there through May. Like what? Like what changed? I tweeted that out yesterday. It's like, why did you change it? It was already set to that time, and I was excited for that too. When you said that was your Christmas gift, I'm like, hey man, I want part of that action as well. Yeah. It's nice <laughs> to go to bed at nine fifteen uh, and and be able to sleep. Now that we're working from home, I don't know seven seven thirty. It's a great night's sleep. But um, I had somebody who replied to me immediately on Twitter saying maybe because it's really fucking hot in Dunedin. Like okay, well it was really fucking hot in Dunedin when they were going to be playing there in April anyways. Yeah. So what changed? Yeah, but what, what, what is what, 30 what, minutes? What's what, 30 minutes? Right? And what, yeah. made them, what made them say when they announced this, like, you know what, we're going to go back on this. Like, what? Like if they didn't announce that they're staying in Dunedin longer, would they have kept it at 630? That's like, I just don't wrap my head around that. And I, as long as I've been a Blue Jays fan, uh, which started around late 2004, early 2005, I have never seen the Blue Jays play a home Saturday game any later than 407. I know that they went back to one o'clock for a little while for quite a few years, and then they dabbled in four o'clock and even the last few years, three o'clock. But I'm just not used to Saturday night baseball, especially when it's at home. Maybe yeah. it won't be so bad, given the fact that Ari, you alluded to this earlier, some bad news in Ontario. It looks like Ontario is heading to a third lockdown. I think the premier is announcing that tomorrow. So that got me thinking, you know what, maybe that's not so bad if we're going to be staying at home on Saturday nights and not going to friends' backyards for fires or doing anything like that. So um, that I'm okay with now, especially if it, it a lockdown is happening. Because, like, yeah, I got the, can do whatever I want during the day, play some video games, watch whatever, do errands, and then come back home and watch the Saturday night game. But, yeah, uh, it, it's it's a little strange. But I just don't understand what changed. Why? Why? Because you announced that you're staying at Dunedin a month later. Why does that mean the game time hasn't changed? They, they're saying because of sun glare. It would have been there regardless. <laughs> no, they're, so I've been they're in that ballpark. It's, really, it's rough. Yeah, they're saying it's really, really bad really for bad. the hitter at 6:30. So, just to put it in the perspective, where my friend lives in Dunedin was about two blocks. It would have been directly east of the ballpark. So, when you're walking to the ballpark for that 7 p.m. Dunedin Blue Jays game, I'm not kidding. Sunglasses don't cut it. Like yeah. it's like blinding, like like literally like you are almost standing on the surface of the sun without melting somehow. <laughs> it is sounds like intense. it sounds like the Teoscar Hernandez rule. They want to make sure that he gets ample opportunity to show that he's the home run king. It's not go. gonna happen if he can't see uh, if he can't see where the, the pitch is coming from. And by the way, Panicker, for the record, as someone who's old enough to remember what it was like to listen to compact discs in an era where the Blue Jays actually cared about the family experience on a Saturday, for example. Yeah. Um it was sweet back then because, full disclosure, I loved the, the longer games. I loved the 16-inning affairs where there might be a chance for one team to win at the top of the 10th and another one to win at the bottom of the 13th. The classic, you know, bases loaded, nobody out. The pitcher digs deep, finds a way to, to, to strike out the side. Things like that. I didn't mind that happening until the wee hours of the morn. I think now during a pandemic, that's actually in some ways a bit of a, if it still existed like old school baseball, it'd be something we'd all look forward to. But now, of course, they want to get it done in a very svelte and consistent fashion. But I think more, you know, it used to be that less is more. Now I think uh, more is more during the pandemic. The more baseball you have, the more uh, escapism you have in the statistics, in shows like this, in enjoying the sport itself, that's only a good thing because it needs to come back and stake its claim. And the fact that it's doing it for 162 games is so ridiculous, but wonderful yeah. at the same time. Plenty of baseball. I looked at this lineup. This is ridiculous. I mean, even with Springer not in the lineup to start the season, 
this lineup is going to mash. It's going to be so exciting to see how these young players come along. Um, bring it on, Rogers. Don't find ways to tie it off. You know, as an organization, give fans as much access during tough times so you can cover the whole age group, you know, from the fam- and, and all the demographics, including the Corsair want to go to bed early but get the most action so you don't wake up the next morning and go, what? I missed a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth? Oh, it's going to happen. That's good. <laughs> it's going to happen. It happened to be before, too. But you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, like, important. They need to brand that. Like, there's such an opportunity here that I think the NBA and the NHL in particular have done well. Why not MLB? Step up your PR game, you know? And for, and for God's sake, uh, as an organization, the Blue Jays need to highlight these young players because they really are special. What a core. It is the core. I, I, I went on social media. I did, like, voting on it where I asked people to rank the different sports cores. And I included the Maple Leafs. And I believe the Blue Jays won. Yeah, because everybody is yeah. excited for it. How can you not be? So I got to point this out because you made the joke about, you know, missing the Grand Slam home run and to win a ball game or something. You could see the flip of it from one of the longest games I've ever been at. I think it's the second or third longest Toronto Blue Jays game ever. And it was the Roger Clemens' return to Toronto after he was traded to the Yankees. I remember that game. The Blue Jays completely lit him up like a Christmas tree in the first two innings and just destroyed him. They were ahead like eight to nothing in the first two innings. Delgado went deep. Freaking, I think Brian Fletcher. <laughs> or Darren Fletcher. Darren Fletcher. And somebody else. But in the midst of that whole thing, right? Good hitting catcher, by the way, Darren Very Fletcher. Very good. But first bad thing. that game went 17 innings and it it got to the point where it was like me and like three other people in the ballpark and Chuck Knobloch hits a fucking home run for the Yankees to win it. <laughs> and then the Blue Jays Damn. didn't do anything in the bottom. There's, there's silence. So you could the... miss that. And I'd be okay with that because that just made me yeah. go. Eh. First of all, isn't it, isn't it so terribly sad that Chuck Knobloch is going to be remembered in his baseball career for, for things he shouldn't be. I mean, I know he was a piss poor defender at the end and he made so many errors, but he was a great player. And unfortunately he hit that. I don't know they call it a condition in baseball where you start losing your fundamentals because you're trying too hard. He entered that zone. He didn't let the game come to him. He kept trying to go after the game. Kind of like when Aaron Hill went after, what was that? Uh, We keep talking about that perfect game that should have been. Was it? uh, Brandon Morrow. Brandon (laughs) Brandon Morrow had his perfect game lost because Aaron Hill, instead of letting the game come to him, he went to it and, and he ruined it. And he'll never live that down. I'm sorry. But... The point I'm, I'm trying to make in all this is um, an opportunity for the Blue Jays to do something really awesome that will make fans so in, intensely interested in them that a show like this, which exists for the hardcore fan like you, yourself, Borden, staying out there with like four people to watch an extra inning game, I think that's special. That's what makes baseball special. I'm nostalgic for it. I miss Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth because I remember them as if it was if it, it were yesterday. And I enjoyed sticking around for Jay's talk with Mike Wilner because I enjoyed how he interacted with the fans. And all that is gone because it could exist, but it's gone. And that's a problem. That's why at least there are great podcasts like this where people can come in and, and chew up all the the enjoyment and savor every aspect of the game as it's unfolded. And you're going to have 162 chances to do it this year. I mean, that's yeah. fantastic. I got a famous Blue Jay one, and my guys in my fantasy baseball league never let me forget it. We just had our draft Monday night, so it's fresh in my brain. Somebody inevitably throughout the night will yell out, Ken Huckabee, because he killed Derek Jeter that one year, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I I live in New York, fantasy baseball, all Yankee fans. It's me and my dad are the only Blue Jay fans of the thing, so it's one of those things that just comes up every year. Who's Ken Huckabee? 
No, he, yeah. he murdered Derek Jeter almost. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> he, like, steamrolled him at home plate, I think, was what it was. But anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. So, CNR, you kind of already danced us in that direction. Anyway, let's talk roster, where things are going. And I just want to point this first piece out to you guys. That is the Keegan Matheson's quote-unquote starting day lineup based on spring training. It's going to be Kevin Biggio, hopefully, in the third and the at third at the first base spot. There you go, Adam. There you go. <laughs> Marcus Semien in the two-hole. Bo Bichette. Teoscar Hernandez. Vlad Jr. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Roddy Telez probably DH in the first game, at least against Garrett Cole. And then Randall Gritchick and Danny Jansen. Is that really that bad of a lineup? I know that we're talking lineups here and whatnot, and the unfortunate bad news that Blue Jays fans did get today, which we'll touch on in the midst of this conversation. George Springer is going to start on the IL, retroactive. It's going to, I think his tentative return date would be around the 9th. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that what we were talking about before the? Yeah, I think it was the eighth. Eighth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then Robbie Ray is also going to start on the DL or the IL. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that lineup is still pretty vicious, guys. And we saw these guys really heating up near the end of spring training, especially guys like Marcus Semyon, even though he's the newcomer. That's a lot of pop in that bat. What do you guys think about heading off into the first? You know, basically, what would be the first two series? with that lineup as the, you know, the core of what's going on here. I'll start. Uh, I, I'm still encouraged by it. Um, I think last week when we talked about Springer, we anticipated that he wasn't going to start. I think even, I think Brendan suggested that he stay off um, for the first couple series and get to the home opener. Um, I think that is very prudent of the Blue Jays and it's probably working in their benefit. Um, no need to rush him from the start because, as we have seen with Teoscar, those oblique injuries can be kind of a bitch, and you don't want to have that linger all season for a guy you just paid all that money for. Um, so I think we are anticipating maybe if we we're going to do anything against the Yankees, maybe we win a game or two. Um, and then, you know, the following series, you really don't need him. You don't need him at the jump of the, se- uh, the season in order to get an edge. Um, so in that regard, I think it's fine. And the lineup, I think uh, we've mentioned this before, too, earlier in the offseason. It doesn't matter how you have them. It really doesn't. They, they're going to perform well, well enough that you're going to you're going to get production no matter how you slice it. Um, but selfishly, you know, my uh, man crush Monday, Kevin Biggio leading off. I love it. Uh, I think that's where he belongs. He's got a fantastic eye. Um, probably one of the best eyes, if not the best eye on the team. Um let them rip. Let let the kids play. Let them. Let them. I don't want to be cliche about them, but you're. You, this is the season that they have to unleash them, right? This is the season that you got to You got to find out what you have in these kids, and because extensions are coming. Extensions come really early now for your young talent, and if you want to see what they're worth, let them rip. So I, again, I don't really care so much of how this lineup is constructed. I don't necessarily think you can do it wrong. But I am excited to see the way is at least how Keegan has it uh, constructed. I think it's solid. There you go. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there, Adam. And give yourself some credit. It was your idea 
uh, oh. of Springer playing on opening day, uh, or sorry, the home opener in Dunedin. Uh, that was all you. But it makes sense, yeah. And to your point, I think even with George Springer, yeah, maybe the chances of winning two out of three are much, much more improved. Um, even with Robbie Ray, they're that much more improved because you would assume that he would have gotten a start instead of what's looking like Ross Stripling and TJ Zoic uh, in games two and three. That's a little uh, dicey. It actually puts some more pressure on Ryu tomorrow to go down and try to shut out the lineup, and hopefully the Jays can scratch a run or two off of Garrett Cole. Um, now, it is opening day. We've seen some crazy scores in the past. Like I, I, I think it was opening day 2009. Um, um, or maybe 2008, Roy Halladay's last opening day, I think, as a Blue Jay against the Tigers, and it was against Verlander, and mm. the score was like 11-5 or something like that. It was some crazy scores. You see some really, really weird score lines on opening day. You either see like 1-2-0, 2-1, or you can see double digits, um, start, starting to get close to double digits for some teams. So, went to a 98 um, one wearing this jersey with Benji Molina hitting a two-run home run. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Exactly. You never know what you're going to get on opening day. But, yeah, I mean, even without Springer, I think it's still reasonable to take um, one game. And whether that's against Kluber on Saturday, who did not have himself a very good spring, uh, or Domingo Herman, who is it, it looks like he's got some good stuff. We've seen him in the past, but I also believe the Blue Jays have beaten him a few times in the past. So beyond kind of like the Yankees rotation to me is in a somewhat similar state to what the Blue Jays are. Blue Jays are much more inexperienced. Um, the Yankees have more upside, but at the same time, beyond Cole, you're banking on a lot of guys to bounce back, like Jordan Montgomery uh, or Corey Kluber staying healthy. So, yeah, I don't think they'll miss him too much. So that's why I don't think it's so bad that he's not playing. And for all of us who will be working tomorrow, uh, myself included, Adam, you too, Craig, you as well, Ari, I'm sure you as well, um, it's not so bad thinking, yeah, I'm okay just having it on the side monitor or going down and sitting in front of the couch and watching it there. Have it on as background noise. Yeah, because next Thursday, if Springer is activated in time for then, it's a night game. So we can be like, yes, we're watching Springer's Blue Jays debut. I won't feel guilty about missing it if it was tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, enjoy tomorrow. Blue Jays fans is going to be fun. Uh, but I just don't think Marcus Simeon's debut is enough to make him be like, I have to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Effing Yankees yeah. not giving me a seven o'clock start time. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I agree. I had to be that dick. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. So, but yeah, I think that's where the lineup is going. And Ari, I think you kind of touched on some of that while you were talking about it. Do you want anything to add to that as far as where the main roster lineup part is going to be going here anyways? I don't know how much I can add because you guys covered it so succinctly, especially you, Adam. I really like the way that you outlined this whole um, mentality of uh, giving the kids an opportunity. And then you furthered that, Brendan, by really highlighting why that's important. I mean, look, the, the Matheson article is great, by the way. I knew Keegan when he first started out. And uh, if there's any source is going to give you a, a great perspective, it's it's going to be him because he he doesn't overinflate the projections. I find he's he's actually very conservative in the way that he breaks down his analysis of the Blue Jays. And I I agree with what you guys have been talking about, which is identifying that this team has a lot of potential because, and and for me, what's exciting is is seeing the um, the competition. Right? I mean, I want Danny Jansen to be the guy. But I also know that getting Kirk means that he's going to have to prove that he has to stay in 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 the perception of fans and the organization as the guy. And there's a lot of competition in this lineup. And I love that. I love its interchangeability. <laughs> I love the fact that when Springer comes back, there are going to be certain players who have to perform. This is why if a Jonathan Davis gets a chance, you want to see what he can do. If a Grichuk wants to stay in the lineup, you got to earn that spot, right? 
And uh, and the lineup itself, it, it is ridiculous. It's ridiculous because there are three or four players who we know can actually destroy the ball, but also strike out probably 150 times this year. <laughs> if you can scatter them between the Bichette and Guriel Jr. bats, then you always ensure action. Because even if they're you know swinging for the fences, whether it's a Hernandez or if it's a Guerrero Jr. or a Semyon, at least you know you've got two guys that can be the glue and they've got it with Bichette and, and especially with Guriel Jr. It's, 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 it's an embarrassment of, of riches for Shapiro and, and company because um, it didn't look like it for a while. We were just given all the promise, 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 you know, the great drafting and, and it became a cottage industry in the city to have experts on drafts who could like break it down for you quickly. Still not as good as Borden styles, but still pretty <laughs> in, intensely. And and the reason that existed was because you were hoping for a rosy future. Well, the future is now. It really is. And it isn't hyperbole. It isn't hyperbole to look at this team and say, man, there may be a frontline pitcher and uh, a reliable additional re- reliever to just putting together some really long winning streaks because they'll be winning big games uh, nine, nine to eight and, and two to one sometimes. Just to put it in perspective, I think this is the only lineup we've – and right now this is me not counting Springer in this equation. This whole lineup has the potential outside of maybe Danny Jansen of hitting 20 home runs this season easy, and there's going to be plenty of guys that are going to probably even eclipse 30. That is a ton of offense. because you're Well, correct me if I'm wrong. All three of you are big Jansen fans. You want to see him succeed because I think he's got the makeup to be successful. He just chose the hardest position, no? If you think about it in terms of yeah, uh, position like player. I mean, it, it's it's tough to learn and it's tough to be consistent and you suffer a lot of injuries. But, you know, it's like you said, Borden, there's just so many options and, and, and good young players. How can you go wrong? Like... You know, you've got Raptors fans complaining of a 27-year-old Norman Powell traded. These Blue Jays players could find themselves in that situation if you think about it. Because if 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 you think about when, what are they going to be? What 26, 27? When the Bichettes and the Guerrero Jr. start coming up for free agency, yep. the, these are their power years to to earn that big contract. And uh, hopefully, they do it in this city, so that regardless of where they go in the future over the next two, three years, they, this lineup just absolutely matches, which is why, you know, Shapiro was all excited talking about all the championships we can potentially win. Dude, make the playoffs first. Okay, <laughs> win a round. Then we'll talk about championships. Don't get too excited. There you go. Yeah, I think the, the I think you hit the nail on the head on how we've basically summarized Danny Jansen's uh, tenure as a Blue Jay and the fact that we did see how ridiculous he can hit in the minor league level and the fact that it was just consistent. It's like as soon as he put on the glasses. You used to gush about him, man. Every week you used to gush about him. You used to tell me that this kid is going to be something special. So why do you think he hasn't been to this point? I think um, we've talked about many reasons, but I think the big reason, the fact is he's had to work with the most ridiculous pitching staff over the last, you know, his whole career in the Toronto Blue Jays uniform. How can you support so well when you're, you know, handling – how many pitchers did we have in 2019? It was insane, oh. wasn't it? Oh. I, th- I feel like we broke 30 11? different starters or something like that. It's a good <laughs> point. It's a great point. <laughs> it was a lot. It was damn close to what I would have called the oh, major yeah. league record at the time. Last year, I feel like we had 11. Mm. So, And that's in a shortened 60-game season just to be able to get over the hurdle there. I would ha- I'd be curious if any Blue Jays fans on the Twitter uh, feed want to call in and tell us if they have that stat. You know, We'll give you a shout-out. <laughs> that's just include starters. It's bullpen guys, too. Oh, because like, we had the wonderful opener, the William, Wilmer Fonts of the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a revolving door, and Jansen really has been the only guy 
to control that whole thing, regardless of how well he's been able to hit or not. His character is special. That's right, exactly. Even though I, I, my understanding is, is the organization still wants to salvage a relationship with McGuire, but the reality is this is Jansen's opportunity. If he falters, Kirk will step in. I just want to see that catcher. That's the one position that's near and dear to my heart because if you have a stable rock behind the plate, your team can compete every night. It's like a goaltender in some respects. If the goaltender is solid, the team tends to reflect his confidence. If he's not, he lets in the easy goal, passed ball, wild pitch, all that. I mean, it's like you said, Borden, you want to see this kid succeed because then that would be something else to see him as kind of like a de facto captain leading the charge, you know, onto the field uh, with these young kids. And right now I think he's the really the only wild card in this whole lineup, fellas. Are you... Other than the fact that you don't, you know, you're going to get offense from Roddy Telez, it's more of a question of how much offense are you going to get from Roddy Telez, right? <laughs> yep, that was yeah. the, that was the one I was going to say. Is if there's any two players that you really need to uh, question whether or not they're a true fundamental part of this team's future, I would look at Roddy Telez and Danny Jansen. That has nothing to do or any negative connotation towards the way Roddy Telez is hitting. Not at all. I'm just saying there might it, the the how do I want to put this the way that the roster is constructed and how fluid you have players playing multiple positions sort of like super utility guys everywhere minus maybe Vlad who can also play first base um there might not just be a spot for Rowdy and if you can flip him for an area of need aka pitching uh he might be expendable in that regard yeah and I think on that part that's um honestly a lot of that's due to the fact that Vladdy is going to be playing first base in the emergence of your man crush Monday Adam of playing third base he has looked incredibly solid at third base which comes spring any train <laughs> we well I think we talked about on this multiple times it wasn't the fact that we, we knew he couldn't it could handle the reflexes and the glove work all day at third base. And the fact that he is that athletic, I figured he was going to have no problem being able to get to wherever he needed to and make those awesome jump throws. But we didn't know if the arm was really going to carry. And we saw that this spring. I think um, I, can't, I think it was last weekend they had one of the games on. I, he made that one that was really, uh, right down the line, really deep in the hole, almost on the fringe of where the outfield grass meets the infield, and he just rifled that thing right over. It, almost, it wasn't quite to the extent of Vladdy's ridiculous cannon that he had when he was over at third base, but he would never even gotten that ball. So, I agree. No, <laughs> yeah. King Cavan, dude. That's all I'll say. King Cavan can do King it all. Cavan. However, however. I will give credit where credit is due. When playing third base, Vladdy has looked fantastic. That his is footwork has true. improved. His speed, his uh, lateral movements, quickness have been on point. So, Everything. Yeah, so if, if they need to flip-flop here and there, and even Cavan has had some experience playing first base. Cavan needs to take over because he's king. If Cavan needs to take over first base, <laughs> Captain Utility. let it be so. Yeah, let it be so. <laughs> I just need to have Biggio's bat and his patience in the lineup one way or the other, so I really don't care where he plays. I really do Dude, think he could yeah. actually etch out a very nice hole at third base and just take it over. Um, because in all reality, I hate to say this, but as far as defensive tools go, I honestly thought he looked just as good as like Bregman did, like when his early days. You know, I really yeah. didn't see a, uh, you know terrible difference or anything and he's obviously more athletic at third base than like a Chris Bryant. Yeah. So do you think his ceiling is Dobrist? Yes. I, I really I don't know what to think. Yeah. I really don't know what to think. Because honestly, I think he's going to hit more home runs than Zobrist ever will in his career. Yeah, I'm talking as a super out. utility. Like, oh, okay, as far you as range. You can put him anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And no, I agree with you on that. 
especially yeah. next year when some of these other guys in the system come up, like when Groshans comes up and is knocking on the door for a full-time third base job and Simeon's out the door because it's only a one-year deal, does Kevin go back to second? Or is there a guy like Kevin Smith or Logan Warmoth who were the talk of spring for a little while? Do they play second base or do they sign somebody else? It is, it's just so flexible and easy when it comes to Kevin because like we could play here, could play you there, opens up a door for this guy, that guy, whatever it is. So. Not to mention we have prospect. another namesake in our prospect pool now in uh... – Manuel uh, Beltry was, I think, number nine all of a sudden after being drafted internationally. He's like 17. <laughs> I'm saying, dude, it's all, it's all prospect porn, right, at the end of the day. And you can utilize that if you're not going to – going back to what we were saying about Danny Jansen and Rowdy Tellez, if you're not going to utilize the players that you have in the system right now in terms of the bigs right now, utilize those guys that are on the fringe of making it to the major league roster to get a legitimate starting pitcher. Right, the, those the Groshans and the Smiths of the of the organization are probably highly coveted by other organizations. You can utilize those as capitals because how many times have we seen prospects just not pan out? It yeah. happens. It happens. Like we love our. I'm prospects. glad we have them. I'm not going to yeah, lie. No, it, it, <laughs> there is an argument to be made that a lot of the depth that we have in the system, although highly regarded not pan out i mean yeah. kyle drayback was highly regarded <laughs> very highly regarded. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> brett wallace was very highly regarded right uh, and these guys just flamed out right and i'm not saying that groshans will flame out or anything like that but you take that gamble to take the bird in hand you want right. the proven talent in starting pitching to bolster this club to make a postseason <laughs> run and you worry about the future later and the future is still now you still have plenty of years left on your young talent that's in the major leagues right now this is just extra cash that you have in the bank just spend it well and go back to the conversation we originally started here with the lineup on where we went to your point there adam we had a shortage of needing one other infield piece going into this offseason and they saw marcus simeon there sitting and just waiting and waiting and waiting for the oakland days to give him a competitive offer and they never rang him so next thing you know he's a toronto blue jay and honestly guys i don't know if i want another second baseman after seeing how well he did this spring i'm hoping it looks just as good for him this uh you know come summer and everything into the opening day but that that, that's what that's the right problem to have right you already got that guy in house and then it's like okay great well we got one of the kids that's forcing our hand now what do we do you know and then it moves all it just moves everything up the pipeline that much better because it's only going to be that much more solid so but and then let's just take a reality check this is toronto we're talking about we always overhype our prospects oh yeah sad but true we just do that we we overhype them and the, and the blue-collar workers, as John McDonald. Well, yeah. look, <laughs> but, but it, it, listen, I don't mind overhyping a prospect. It's it's when you acquire a player or the prospect develops and you still overhype the player or you create this distorted view of reality, like Kevin Pillar, for example. How many years were we fed the gospel according to Pillar? And in the end, we were really just talking about a very average center fielder, a very average player altogether, one that showed maybe a two-week burst that he could be above average and that way. April. <laughs> That's it, exactly. And, and so, what I like about this core group of young players is you, there's no need to overhype them. Then let them let them coalesce, let them play together and do what they do. And kind of like those early '80s Blue Jays, where they had a lot of those young Dominican players who worked out with some American players and Canadian players. The next thing you know, you just got natural chemistry. That's what I love about this Blue Jays team is that you don't need to overhype. Look what happened with Vlad Guerrero. I mean, honestly, he apparently he's lost 40 pounds and he's back on the war path to be a an elite tier player. And that's fine and dandy, but man, oh man, all the press that we had to indulge, which was absolute bullshit about how wonderful he was and how great he'd be. It's not that we didn't have the the 
the right teaser trailer because I remember you, Borden, especially gushing of just how hard he was hitting the ball. He can't hit the ball harder and as hard as anyone else. In that Stan's part hasn't league. changed. That part hasn't changed. <laughs> but but what we best. saw was he was not he was not ready for He's major not elevating. League baseball. Yeah. And Which is what we see this spring is what I'm hoping might be the difference yeah. in the world. This so. spring he looks like a kid who understands that he might actually lose his job if he if he stinks the joint. He's got to he's got to focus now. You know he's got to focus and work with his dad for advice. If my dad were Vlad Guerrero Senior, I'd be on the phone with him every day trying to learn his secrets. Is was there a better outside bad ball hitter overall contact approach to the plate than Vlad Guerrero? I mean no. he can get it done. So. Work with the guy hit a home run off a ball that bounced a home plate once, and that's not yeah, a yeah. myth. <laughs> it bounced. No, it if I'm standing at home plate, it literally was like there. <laughs> yes. Just another, another legendary player that Montreal was blessed with that they lost, if you kind of think about it. There were some legendary players that went through the Expos, and he was, uh, well, he was just a special gift from the baseball gods. There All right, go. more to your point. More to your point. Um it, it, he he's not only playing for his job. We were talking about, or I, I think I brought up earlier, how young players are looking more and more for those extensions because they're well deserved. But you also want ownership. You you don't want to have to pay them when they're a free agent because you're going to have to pay upwards of three hundred million dollars, right? So if if Vladdy is looking for somewhere in the two hundred million dollar range and he pans out right now, that's a steal, right? So. You're absolutely so. right, but the narrative got soiled by the fact that he came in with this ridiculous hype, and it turns out he was. First of all, he wasn't in baseball condition. The, the kid all. was overweight. Yeah. We we tiptoed around it. We used different adjectives to describe it. At the end of the at the end of the day, he came in out of shape. Then you compounded by the fact that he he didn't listen to people. He kind of like played a lot of video games in the off season and just kind of enjoyed life. And then he showed up and realized, holy cow, Major League Baseball is tough. It's a really. Yeah. I, but I mean, then you again, saw, if you, you batted four hundred in Triple A baseball for three fair months, enough, but, <laughs> but that's Triple A. This is the big. You remember, I know. I'm you just remember saying. it took about it took two months before the sinking sensation for fans watching him kind of hit them when they realized man he's not catching up to certain pitches like the way that he's squaring up for the ball he has the talent he just doesn't have the guidance so hopefully now he had like the sensei he had his camp around him he had his father helping him he's he's if he's if it's true that he's 40 pounds lighter that's huge because i don't know about you you drop 40 pounds of weight off of your body you'll be able to do all sorts of stuff you can do before you know like like borden's like uh, triple, triple jump decathlon you know like like sports you can name it <laughs> You know, so I, I just want to see him, Adam, I want to see him grab this because, you know, he, he didn't take time to learn English. He's in a market where you can't really communicate with him effectively to know what he's thinking. Just let his bat do the speed, the talking then, you know, oh, when you're hitting fifth or sixth, have a solid year, be a quiet leader. You'll get your contract. They all. Oh, yeah, also. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, he, he has to earn it now. He has to, he has to play for it. And if he's earning it without the pressure that he's had on himself with this overhype, he might actually get there, right? And as soon as I see Vladdy leg out a stand-up double, I'm convinced. Like yeah. I don't need the home runs. I don't need a. I want to see a stand-up double without him. You know, hands on the knees. I want to see it. And if he can do it, I'm, this is legit. He he's in shape. He's ready to go. You know, you know what else would be legit if he went out, and even though he wasn't happy playing first, 
he just played it really well and didn't make oh, any yeah. errors and showed because because it, it's it's an important thing. People dismiss what first basemen do, and to all the first basemen out there, they know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not a glamorous position. You're just expected to be a rock. So be a rock. Don't make errors. Make good decisions. Throw the ball to the right base. Uh, you know when you need to, and above all else, uh, sacrifice your body a little bit. Oh, what I'd love to do is see a sacrifice bunt early on, or just something that shows that he's willing to go ahead and give up the the blink bling stats in exchange for the W's. That's yeah. what's going to make him a, a real leader, and then he can say it in any language, including Spanish. I think that's where this team is trending to, is the what can we do to win? And I think yes. you can see that in spades this spring. They're hungry. That was well, like Captain, the biggest Captain tease Bichette in the world last year, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah, and we've been it. saying on this show uh, for many months, year almost, whatever it is, <laughs> that Boba Shet is basically the face of this franchise. And, oh, he's the best player on the team. Yeah, and yeah, what a that's great the other player. part. They're so lucky, you know. The great we lost the great Tony Fernandez, but that's in some respects he kind of has that aura where he goes about his business, he does his thing, and he earns the respect of people every day by just being a great all-around baseball player. That's what they need. Because then Biggio and Guerrero Jr. and Guerrero Jr. will follow the lead. And then you're going to have four pocket leaders all doing what they need to do, staying calm during a late-inning game and making sure that you find a way to win at the end of the day. Having Bo around is the best thing for Vladdy right now, too. It takes a spotlight yes. off him a little bit. And not to mention that Kevin yeah. Biggio can just keep being the silent, freaking like John Olerud type that he's been the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just just match baseballs and play good defense. The guy survived a brain aneurysm for crying out loud. <laughs> How is John Olerud not talked about more? You know, Sportsnet should do a, a profile on him just for the sake of doing a profile. And I, I think they have, actually in the past still one of the that best guy players, what, or, what a swing eh? yeah still one of the man. best youtube videos i've ever watched and i'll guess i'll see if i can refine it and retweet it back out after this show they had somebody took the time to map out his 1993 season compared to ted williams's 400 season and it was just like here's the graph of all the route and here's the one of you know ted williams and it's like going like this across the months like completely even at 400 until right at the end right like i I think i think it was the last six weeks that kind of scuttled because for a while he was as high as like 383 or or maybe even he was actually at 400 almost until the all-star break so but anyway (laughs) as much as i want to say more about old um but the lineup is set and that is solid, and we are going to have offense. And I don't think it, the nice thing that we have about this offense, it doesn't need to be everybody contributing it at once. There is enough that everybody can pass the torch around, and there is no reason that this team shouldn't be scoring three or four runs a game easy. And I know that's saying a lot with the fact that you know they got to face Garrett Cole right out of the bat, but then there's going to be those other nights where. You know, they're just going to bombard people because everybody is hitting all at once, and it's going to be insane. But they should be averaging, I think, when com- everything comes down to you know business, they should be averaging about four runs a game, I think, guys. What do you think? Easily, yes, easily. Yeah, definitely. So you're taking Better. the over on the four runs a game? Should I yeah, keep going like I this Yeah, I think four it? runs is conservative. <laughs> I really do. It would not surprise me if they averaged around five or six. I think four is conservative. Which is how the next part of this conversation goes, because the rest of this team is not built the same way as our offenses, fellas. And we are really, really banking on the fact that Hyunjin Ryu is going to be basically the American League Cy Young Award winner. And mm-hmm. he's going to be insanely talented with a you know plethora of just, just as good as the rest after him, right? So, insert player B here. 
is basically yeah. the rest of our rotation until we do get the you know maybe the coming hurricane that is the flame throwing arm of Nate Pearson back healthy and right now he is not and they're he's going to be destined probably to start the season on the IL as well because of the groin thing that he more or less had research over the last few weeks too. I guess he's still trending in the right direction, but it's one of those things that doesn't sound like he's ready to jump right in. No official word if he is going to start on the IL yet as of, you know, Wednesday evening as we're recording this show. But that being said, eventually this could trend better, but to start the season, guys, we're talking Hyunjin Ryu, obviously, is our first game starter against the New York Yankees tomorrow. And then we're going to have Ross Stripling and TJ Zoik, who both have looked really well this spring. But that's where we're getting into the scary territory, and we've talked about it on, at a length on this show, that is this offense going to be enough to mash people to carry that pitching? Who wants to start? Yeah, Brennan. <laughs> Brennan's like sitting there. Uh, I hope so. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, there really is nothing else to add on to that. We gush over the offense, but the pitching is still very, very suspect. But at the end of the day, we've said this a few times throughout the offseason, especially after it seemed like the pieces had settled and we were going into spring training and doing our little spring training preview. And now that we know what the rotation is looking like, I know it's not supposed to be this way, but keep on looking back to the state of that 2015 rotation when the season kicked off. We had Drew Hutchison on opening day at Yankee Stadium. It's a great point. And and why not just try to look a little half full rather than half empty and say at least you're going to see your position players get a workout. I mean, right, there are going to yeah. be some games that they're going to have to eat crow, and that's fine. Because right now I think they have this attitude that they know that they're promising and exciting. And, and you look at their spring training performance, like they can mash. We know that they can hit all hard. But I don't think it's a bad thing early on in the season if they have to learn how to deal with adversity. Because then at least you'll develop these players properly. And then when you do go after pitching resources, which you'll have to do, because you're not going to risk this window of opportunity for young players to be productive. You know, you hope philosophically they'll catch up then and do something about it. Because I try not to laugh, Warden, but when you said those names, I mean, that's like... This has a potential to be disastrous if you believe that good pitching always hits uh, good hitting. It's just that the Blue Jays have great hitting, and maybe they'll they'll win their share of uh, blowouts that way. Yeah. So on the pitching note, though, let's say the rotation continues the direction it does like we're expecting. The Blue Jays have basically announced that Thomas Hatch and Julian Merriweather are going to be part of this bullpen. Those are guys that are stretched out that were anticipated to be Buffalo starters. So if they're bringing them north of the, you know, well, sorry, I guess south of the border now, I guess, with the, everybody. Way south. <laughs> Way south. Um, it's encouraging the fact that they were smart enough to hold on to a couple guys that, okay, let's say Zoik does not have the best of day when he gets his start. At least you have two other guys that are stretched out right now with the roster being a 26-man roster rather than a traditional 25 that you have those two guys ready to run into it. Does that make you feel any more comfortable about this part, at least to get off the start of the season, having those couple extra big arms? Anyway. <laughs> I think I think they're going to have to. Um, I think they're going to, at least for the first month of the season, they're going to have to do the experimental rotation kind of thing, anchored by Ryu. Um, again, I... I'm all for it because it's at, well, mostly because out of necessity, I don't have a choice but to be for it. Um, and unless they try to sign someone on the cheap, but I think they're confident in what they have in the system. 
And um, the catcher, the catching familiarity, I think, is important. I think that lends credence to what you were saying previously, Ari, about how the catching position, that anchor, is extremely, extremely important. So um, let them roll. And once things, you know, sort of level off and we reach equilibrium with the, the rotation as it was supposed to be constructed, although still unsexy but serviceable, um, I think we'll be just fine. Uh, the goal for me is by trade deadline, just be 500. And I think that's keeping things pretty low, right? I think we could be better than that, even given the pitching rotation problems, just as long as the offense produces. Yeah. But if by trade deadline, and I don't even think these pitching woes will last up until the trade deadline. I, I think that's being, you know, sort of destructive in, in thought, but. Uh, if by the trade deadline they're 500 and you can acquire a better pitcher, then this team's going to roll. It's just sort of similar to what we saw in 2015. Yeah. But I think with this offense being so good and I, arguably, eh, maybe not quite yet better than 2015. Maybe not quite yet, but it's almost there. It's I'm going to argue there. that we have a lot more depth and a lot of the same yes. level of pitcher <laughs> than we At did least in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, remember 2015, we were hoping the fact that our bullpen was anchored all of a sudden by, you know, Castro and Asuna. And we were hoping yeah. that Daniel Norris was going to be our number five starter. And he came out mm-hmm. of spring training at the end there with a dead arm and was just throwing meatballs for those first few starts. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor guy. And he was living out of a van at one point. He was like a Renaissance man. That, that, <laughs> that dude had a background story that you wished he could succeed in the majors. So you could learn what it's like to live off the reservation as they say, you know what I mean? Of baseball. He was off the grid literally. Um, he is going to get so, every opportunity to the Tigers, and we saw Matt Boyd ended you, up being the guy that came out of that guy. trade. Yeah, and, uh, don't I you think, think it was you, Chris Henderson were the only ones that saw that coming? <laughs> Chris, Chris Henderson's eagle eye. Um, don't you think Ryu will feel like Roy Halladay some years, where he was the only reason why you came to see a game as a pitcher yeah. because you knew you'd get a quality start? I mean, it's 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 pretty frustrating to see that their pitching is as weak as it is right now. But I agree with you, Adam. I think if they hit 500 uh, in, at the trade deadline, they'll be getting so many great positional players, hopefully overachieving, and that'll create basis to land the kind of pitcher that might give you a good stretch run to to make the playoffs. There you go. And in the midst of that coin, too, that you're hoping that, okay, you might have to trade for the one arm. One of these guys, I think, is going to rise to the top. And we've talked about who that could be a lot, whether it's Hatch, Merriweather, Anthony Kay, whoever it might be coming up in that fact. One of those guys is going to have to hit. There's just too many options, that, you know what I mean, yeah. for it to be – I remember back to the you know the Angry Bird Jays that we all of a sudden saw Brett Cecil have a great season. You know, you'll have the come out of nowhere candidate Gustavo Chassin. Somebody is going to rise to the top of that equation, and I I couldn't give you the best in, you know guess on that. I really can't. There's just a plethora of arms that are all in that. I'm going to call them above average, but not great yet. You know what I mean? Do you, do, do you remember when? When Brett Cecil and uh, Romero was it were supposed to be our like one two vaunted decades long you know anchor that we needed and it didn't work out. But but think about Ricky Romero. I I I loved his makeup and he at one point looked like he was the real deal and then he just lost it and and that's it it is kind of sad, isn't it, that a pitcher can go from one moment being a highly touted prospect to just not making it in the majors because it takes consistency. Maybe they find a diamond in the rough. 
Maybe Pearson comes on that horse and saves the day. I don't know. I wanted Baruki to work to work out personally. I don't know about you, gentlemen, but it seemed to me like I put Baruki in the Jensen camp. He's that one guy, that one prospect that you really want to see healthy and and see what he can do at the major league level. He's also found a very nice niche in our bullpen. And happy birthday yes. to uh, Ryan Baruki today too. <laughs> I want him to start. I want him. You know what? I want him to step in if we need him as a fifth starter, and then he reclaims it because that's where the money is. Let's be honest. He doesn't want to be a career reliever. Who does? It's not a thing anymore. You can't be a reliever in baseball. They disrespect you too much. So we've missed one piece of this whole equation, guys, and that is I'm going to give you the fifty-fifty candidate here of Stephen Matz. Nobody's really been talking about him too much. The fact that other than he's had, you know, very quietly good spring training. But as far as his press time, I haven't seen anything. I don't know about you guys, but he's been looking very, very good. Um, do you think we have something? Have we caught lightning in the bottle with Steve Matz and for more or less some cast off candidates just to clear out our 40 man roster? Yeah, Brendan. They better hope so. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> Again, like the 2015 rotation was pretty crap to start, and now they have 100 Ryu. Uh, and you can go through the rest of the way and argue which one was better. But yeah, uh, they better hope so. I haven't heard much of Steven Matz media wise, but from performance wise, it's looking pretty good. Let's hope performance he can stay wise, 15 innings this spring, 15 strikeouts, so he's got a whip of 0.98. <laughs> so I could give two craps about ERA and spring training when you're only throwing 15 innings. I'm sorry to say that, but the whip thing is what stands out to me because that more or less means he gave up like two hits this whole spring or walked a batter or something like that. So um, unfortunately, MLB.com's page doesn't go into the extended stats for the spring training. It only shows a window about this big. <laughs> but I'm encouraged enough that I'm honestly not – I don't – I was worried about him when we draft, when we got him in the pick for the trade, but I'm not terribly upset about him and being in this rotation to start off with. I'm more worried about the fact that Tanner Roark still has a place on this team and we're just allowing that to happen. (laughs) So, um, do we want to talk bullpen really quick here before we uh, get in some bull predictions here before the end of the show? Because more or less right now, this sounds like it's going to be Jordan Romano shipped to right at the uh, back of the bullpen, or at least his current job to lose with Rafael Delis hammering out the innings before them and the other tough innings. And then it's going to be a collective, I'm going to say, really good set of arms out of our bullpen. But just like our starting rotation, guys, doesn't it seem very left-handed hit heavy to me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when was the last time we could say that? I think the last time we even had more than two lefties on our roster was like a bajillion years ago when Jimmy Key. I don't was think we should complain. <laughs> we shouldn't complain, by the way, because you're right. For a while there, we didn't have a, a lefty any situation. Specialist, uh, regular, long relief. How many arms do we have now? Like four? It's it's, it's surreal. So. <laughs> so. Yeah. so, and then we got Tim Mesa, Ryan Barucki. Um, there's somebody else too. I'm forgetting somebody. So, but anyway, it's just, I think it's exciting personally. It's, and they're the right arms. We got a good mix of people that are, know how to people, know how to get people out. And then some people that can throw some gas. And I think that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day in current major league baseball landscape. I still think that this even with the subtraction of Kirby Yates getting hurt for the season and having to have Tommy John, I still am leaning in the direction that this is one of the best bullpens in baseball just because of the depth. What do you guys think? Ari, you want to kick it off? 
<laughs> I, you know, honestly, I, I, I haven't spent as much time as I should analyzing it because once he eats, I realize that it's going to be a big experiment with. So I don't really have much other than the fact that I hope that they, they give the right players the opportunity because uh, you know how quickly we embrace these fan favorites in the bullpen if they can get the job done even, say, three, four outings in a row. There's been such an inconsistency for the Blue Jays from the years. I don't know. You, you, you guys tell me whether you think this mix of players, somebody will rise up and impress in lieu of what they were depending on with the AIDS. I think Romano is going to be the guy who has to run with that, and I really think. He's I mean, that's the name that's mentioned, it. right? Is Romano? He's the one that has become a bit of a media darling because they've written a lot of articles about how great he's done. Part of that is he's also that good. <laughs> yeah, there, we saw it last year, and unfortunately, we were robbed of that because I think that having somebody like him still coming out of the bullpen at the end of the year could have made a big difference, and uh, I don't think we were going to be stealing the division from the you know Rays or anything, but. It would have been nice to see if we could have actually competed a little bit nicer with having somebody like him push all the other guys forward to the point maybe where we didn't have to pitch A.J. Cole that one game, boys. (laughs) So, should we talk bowl predictions? I think this is always a fun segment. We always do every opening day-ish. And I just want to go around everybody here and see, you know, give me one, two, whatever's on your mind. And um, let's just see what we can think. 2021 season, if we were looking ahead to what it could look like at the end of the season, tell me what's happened. What are you predicting to happen? Let's start with you, Adam. All right. Um, Kirk will overtake Jansen as the full-time starter by the trade deadline. That's very similar to one of mine that I'm just saying that I'm going to take it one step back, possibly. Because there is a chance that Jansen could perform that that Kirk will be in the lineup one way or the other every day before the end of the mm. season. Because mm. I have a okay. strange feeling. We hadn't mentioned it yet, but I wanted to earlier and I forgot. Who was the catcher the Blue Jays just picked up? Because to me it screams depth move for something like this if they need a backup catcher because Kirk steals the DH spot. Juan Gratterall. And yeah. the only reason they added him was to be Caleb Joseph. That's yeah. it. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, but hey, you never know. You can always go buy, find another backup catcher, or maybe that's the point where Riley Adams rises up to the point where he gets to be the uh, guy or something for the backup. But I just have a strange feeling, Adam. I think you're right that Kirk's bat, one way or the other, is going to make him an everyday player. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think that you know, with the if Jansen, I think they're going to give Jansen every opportunity to try to succeed or fail, um, and. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of room for error, even though we do think the rest of this lineup is going to produce. You might be able to hide it, right? But I, I think given the fact that Kirk is just coming out flaming, I, I, I just think you gotta you got to roll with a hot hand. And if Jansen isn't going to get it done, this is a big put-up-or-shut-up year for Jansen when it comes to his future in the organization. Uh, I, I hope he performs well. I hope he he is what this organization believes he can be. But if Kirk is just going to outperform him, you you got to roll with the hot hand. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing with the Blue Jays' offense. Period. There, that's regardless of what's going on, keep those pieces moving a little bit. And those two pieces are obviously our DH and our catching spot. I think that they got to be who's hitting and trending in the right direction that week, that day, whatever it might be. Brendan, I agree. You want got one for me? Mm. Hmm. I'll, I'll tell it. I'll go an easy one. Um, Vlad will hit 30 homers, over 30 homers, and over 30 doubles. This is his his breakout year. Uh, And on the pitching side of things, 
uh, Ross Stripling runs away with a job. Um, and I'm not going to say it starts on Saturday, but shortly after that, and he will be the 2015 version of Marco Estrada. Yeah, I was. Gonna, if you didn't say that last bit, I was going to ask that, as I remembered you saying that uh, two, three weeks yep. ago. And I'm like, I kind of agree with that. I have no problem with that. Because yeah. the talent's there, and he's honestly not too different of a pitcher. He just happens to throw the ball just a little bit harder than Marco Estrada did. So, cool stuff. Ari, do you have a bold 2021 Blue Jay prediction for me? Listen, I think uh, Danny Jansen will keep his job and uh, keep his jockstrap and everything that comes with being a baseball player because I, I think that uh, after having to endure like nightmares of Rod Barajas and Benji Molina in a foot race <laughs> and all the other weird catchers we've had, I'd like to see him succeed and become the anchor in the core and that they market around him. You know what I mean? There's something about his look, the goggles that he wears, the fundamentals that he adheres to. I think anybody who follows the game will tell you that even when he struggles, he plays the game the right way. And that's a rarity in, in Major League Baseball. And I think that's what the organization should do is make him the focal point. Um, but again, love the redundancy. I think this team makes the playoffs. I think they sneak in, maybe finish with between 85 to 87 wins and usher in what will hopefully be a nice four or five year stretch of consistency in both the playoffs and then hopefully a chance to participate in the World Series, of which we were so achingly close in 2015, but did not oh. taste the wine and the grapes, which we all deserve to. But, you know, <laughs> had to be Mr. Cantankerous uh, Troy there. But anyways, <laughs> good, good times ahead. No reason to, to... I think if you're a Blue Jays fan, you have to be excited at the fact that back-to-back uh, -back year, this, this organization made moves and it's made the team better. And I know the pitching is, is rather farcical right now because we're trying to dignify a lot of the holes, but... Uh, this is why I love a long season, a chance for these heroes to emerge. Who knows who our next Marco Estrada will be? Who knows who our next, you know, um, uh, utility, versatile Wunderkind comes off the bench and then ends up, you know, running with the position. That's why I love about baseball, watching the players earn it and keep it. Yeah. So, fellas, I got two for you. And one of them was just some – I have a gut feeling about something that might be changing as far as the Blue Jays' offensive uh, mindset from – every other year in Toronto Blue Jay baseball. <laughs> Did anybody else notice how much they were stealing bases and just kind of playing small ball a little bit around the fact that they, you know, don't have to maybe hit a home run all the time this spring and it was working? Anybody mm. notice that? Wait, yeah. you saw stolen bases? I Do those saw. those things still happen? With these, Jesus and I'm swear to God, it's not, I'm not blind with the God. ridiculous prescription I have. Blue Jays and stolen bases, what a concept. I... Craig, I because I didn't watch a single game of spring okay. training. So. <laughs> Anyways, on that fact. The then. last time Corsair saw Bunton, and he was, I think, his daughter's age. So, I mean, these <laughs> things are, you know, these things are surreal. We need them. A little bit of fundamentals. So, I'm going to make a bold prediction that the Blue Jays are actually not going to finish in the basement for the freaking stolen bases, and they might actually break the top 50 in baseball with stolen bases Ooh. this year. I don't think it's out of the ordinary because, in all reality, Kevin Biggio apparently is perfect at stealing bases. There you go, yeah. Adam. Just saying. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, Marcus but, Semyon has yeah. usually pieced together 10-15 in his career consistently. Obviously, last year being an outlier, only being 60 games. Bo Bichette, throughout his minor league career, was rifling through uh, the bases at 30 to 40 season. Maybe that part of this game actually comes through a little bit this year, and he'll actually be one of those guys that's not, you know, the best base stealer in baseball as far as 
you know, states go. Or, but mm. um, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if Bobochet rips off thirty bases this year. It really would not, just because he's got the athleticism. But the only thing, honestly, I think that would kill him stealing thirty bases is the fact that I think he's just going to rifle doubles all day this year, and he'll be already standing on second base more than time, <laughs> more than he would be, you know. Um, yeah. But then we still have Lourdes and Teoscar and uh, Randall and possibly some, uh, you know, JD Davis fun going on here. And then George Springer actually has the legs to steal some bases when necessary as well. So there's enough guys there that were you know traditional blue jay baseball is swing hard in case you hit it a la the jose canseco principle and <laughs> it just something about this is screaming a few years ago when the rays were just driving pitchers nuts and charlie montoyo happened to be in that dugout and i believe that was 2015 was the year the Yank- the uh, rays were really just driving the hell out of pitchers as far as dancing around and whatnot and it so the few games i did see on spring training that was what was going on, and it was just trying to make pitchers uncomfortable, which obviously makes for stolen bases and more offense in general. And like I said, the bold prediction, number one, Blue Jays steal more bases and actually are in the top 15 in baseball instead of the lower 15 and usually the lower two. <laughs> Second prediction, the rotation is going to be a mess, and they're going to look for completely random options. And Alex Manoa or Simeon Woods Richardson will get a shot around the All Star break rather than wait until the August call ups in September's. Mm. Too good a spring, and I have a strange feeling, even though that both of them right now are slated to start in New Hampshire, that it just screams to me with how good a spring they had against real major league hitters. They're just going to mow through guys at that level because they learned something this spring, and I think everybody got the chance to see it. So that's my bold yeah. prediction. <laughs> I, I could see SWR for sure. Yeah. Manoa freaking looked really good, though. <laughs> and that's the thing that intrigues me. But I right now I'm going to give you – those are my two horses in the race because I, in all reality I think they're, you know, neck and neck right now who is going to be fighting for that chance first. And one of them I think is going to rise to the top of that equation and actually may be a key contributor down the stretch for the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm. I could see that. Um, it also surprised me. I'm going to do one more. Uh, <laughs> I do think that come trade deadline, obviously the Blue Jays are going to be in the mix. They have to be. Um, I think other teams are going to be in the mix too, depending on, uh, you know, where the Rays are at, even though a lot of people like to undercut them again, Brendan, you're a big proponent of this. You just can't count them out. Can't never, um, at all. So if you have teams that are in the race, especially for that second wild card spot, uh, Oakland, maybe Minnesota, Chicago, um, you're going to have to outbid. So it wouldn't surprise me if a member of this major league roster, not great Chuck, even though I'd like it to be, but also not part of the core four, or maybe you can call it five because Springer is not going anywhere either. Maybe a uh, Guriel, at if any of them, uh, Teoscar or Rowdy will get moved in addition to prospects to get that uh, that piece specifically in the rotation that is going to put them over the edge. There you go. That's a great point. That's that's the Shapiro method, right? That's what he did. That's why he drafted position players when people were screaming at him to grab pitching, which is ironic because now he's got exactly the kind of major league team that's based on these tendencies. Yeah. But at the end of the day, young position players are king. 
those are your trump those are your trump cards to go out and get pitchers that might become available that right might be reclamation projects or might be someone that isn't you know confident anymore in their organization so i agree good deal fellas i love it is there anything anybody else would like to add or discuss right before we close it out because once again, apparently everybody's already drunk or too busy goofing around pre-opening day or too merry, maybe. Because <laughs> I Can't don't have a lot of feedback other yeah. than this stuff to what we've been talking about all night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it uh, picks-to-click time? Oh, shit. It is picks-to-click time. Let's do some Man, you're the picks-to-click guy. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, you guys are making me have to find a fucking piece of paper. And... <laughs> what do you mean? You got a computer right in front of you. Yeah, the printer's all the way up. Any of us have written something with pen. Yeah. The problem is you guys don't realize I have every one of my screens completely fold up so much that I have to use my cell phone for my webcam. <laughs> So let's talk picks to clicks with opening day tomorrow so we can start this off. For Blue Jays fans that have not been privy to the fact that we do picks to clicks, it's a week competition we like to have here on the show, including our guest spot. So Ari, you better hurry up and figure out who you like this week. <laughs> so, but what we're going to do, pick a player, reward who uh, wins, and then we'll, uh, you know, banter back and forth and argue with each other all season. So Adam or Brendan, which one of you brought it up? Brendan, yeah, Brendan. Go first, okay, Brendan, Brendan yeah. you go first. I'm gonna go with because I just don't trust any of the starters at Yankee Stadium. I'm gonna go with Marcus Simeon. Makes a very good first impression, uh, and when we record next Wednesday after the first two series, he will be a major reason why they come out of those first two series. I'm gonna be con- like very, very conservative and say they're gonna go into the first series and done even three and three, one and two at Yankee mm-hmm. Stadium, two and one at the Rangers. Simeon will be a big reason why. There you go. MV, MVJ for Brandon Panikar is Marcus Semyon. Mr. Corsair, you want to tee up the next spot? You guys you guys can't guess? I have a strange <laughs> feeling. I already know. I should have already stra- scratched the yeah. B in here. <laughs> I'm going King Cavan. <laughs> King Cavan's going to make the impact like he always does, especially at leadoff. Oh, man, I can't <laughs> wait. He's going to take the first at-bat of the 2021 season, well, depending on if they start for the Detroit game. But, or the fact there's snow coming here in New York. There's that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. Still, let's hope Kevin Biggio is the first player to hit a home run, first pitch, 2021 season. Okay. <laughs> Might be the first Blue Jays to actually do that. I think you're both absolutely wrong. I think the first player who's going to do it <laughs> is Danny Jansen. Danny Jansen is my pick. And not only will he hit the first home run, but he will exercise the kind of leadership intangibly and otherwise tangibly with the pitchers so that even as they struggle, they'll gain his trust. And because Kirk is a legitimate force to light his fire, creeping behind him as someone who could take his role, we're going to see the best of him when it matters most. You can book it. <laughs> there you go. Booking it. It's official. I even got it on the paper. There you go. <laughs> it is literally written in my shitty handwriting. It's all good now. So I'm going to go with what I've been saying all spring because I just can't say it, and he's in the best shape of his life. I'm going to vote Vladdy Vicious for opening day Good. fun, mm-hmm. and I just go. don't know if I can go any different with that. I would love to say Bo Bichette, but something about Vladdy right now, he's doing everything right over the last few weeks in spring training, and did you guys see the highlight of that last home run he hit? Yeah. 114 yeah. miles per hour. Yeah. That thing was a missile. 
I don't even know how, any other way of saying it. it. It literally was like, it looked like it was still climbing upward when it was going out of the ballpark. It was insane. <laughs> so, it if might have actually hit my were friend's a, house. <laughs> if, you, if you had a Hall of Fame for the most aesthetically wonderful home runs, he'd already be in it. So at least we know what he can do. But again, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. And he got a hell of a bonus contract. He's got a lot riding on this season. But I think your pick is excellent. His best pick of all the four picks we were making. (laughs) There it is. I I love how he just disregards his whole thing about Danny Jansen locking in right there. (laughs) 40 pounds, baby. 40 pounds. That's a lot. I think it's exaggerated. I think you only lost about six, but it doesn't matter. Hit the home runs and we'll call it even. I think one other thing about Vladdy with his unsung spring training, I'm sorry to jump on you, Brendan, here, but it was the fact that he played in the played Dominican ball. He got all the rust out then, so he's just yeah. got, can, he's been playing longer cannot, than most of these guys. Can't, uh, I can't say enough for, for him how important that was. Can't overstate that. That's there important. Go. Brendan, go. I don't want to get like that. I said three and three. What do you guys say? And then we can keep track of the series, too. Oh, we're going to be like that now. I got around more. <laughs> I'm honestly in that same school with you. I, I, As much as I'd love to see them just tattoo the Yankees, I see this game with Ryu being the one that they're probably going to walk away. And you got a complete wild card the next two days. I agree with you that that Stripling's going to probably go well eventually, but is he stretched out really well enough to keep the Blue Jays in the game in, on Friday? Correct? Is when he's starting? Yeah. Yeah. That's Saturday. my worry. Saturday. Sat- okay. Yeah. That's right. I forgot. They're skipping Friday. C- come on, Adam. Let's let's offer them something in return. A six and zero start, as they make <laughs> us as they make us forget the entire pandemic even exists. Look, oh. if the Blue Jays. If the Blue Jays really want to get some some collateral out of providing a great alternative to those misery and suffering that's going on in Ontario, the best thing they can do is just start winning and help people forget about how bad things are right now. It's the best way to do it. Don't be surprised. Jeez. I wouldn't. I think they can do it. There you go. I, I was going to say they take one against New York and then all three against Texas. So four or yeah, four and two. Four and two. Yeah. I like that. We're going to use that as a tiebreaker, I think, this year, boys. If we're on that fence of who actually performed well, we'll use the shitty record that we predicted for the following week. <laughs> yeah. So Blue many, Jays, I look forward to being on the show after they go six and zero. Oh. We'll talk. About I guess we're gonna have to have him back, even if it's just to go. Yeah. I will then quit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy more sunflower seeds. I'll be ready. There, there you go. go. Anything else, gentlemen? Nah, I think All we're right. good. So Blue Jays fans, it is opening eve. Make sure you get out and watch the games this weekend and everything, and jump on uh, the train here with us here on the show and join the conversation. We are live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube every week when we do our recordings. And this is unfiltered, unedited, all that other fun stuff for the actual podcast that's on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures for. Do not forget to go to our Patreon page and sign up for some of the experiences we have. And I forgot at the beginning of the show, like I always do, as much as I love our friends over at StadiumScene.tv, we are part of the stadium.scene.t network. Make sure you check out their content as well. They are wonderful, and we've had on them fun with them on their show and everything as well, too. Make sure you check them out for some extra sports content. And why don't we finish this like we usually do, fellas? And let's do two claps and a Ric Flair. Let's do it. Woo! Woo! Let's go, Blue, go Blue Jays. Jays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it?
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.